Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. I don't remember how much I've talked about this, but I have become increasingly committed to a spiritual practice that's not, strictly speaking, a Zen practice, uh, namely this form of Qigong that I learned last year, I started learning last year. What's Qigong? Qigong is a Taoist movement practice involving uh, raising and directing bodily energy. And it's based in the same sort of schema of how the body and energy work as Zen is. So, you know, Zen breathing instructions, particularly Rinzai breathing instructions, but, but Soto as well talk about Chi as this bodily energy that's raised through the abdominal breathing and Zazen and Qigong is moving that same energy around the body using these deliberate flowy movements. Uh, it, it looks like Tai Chi if you've seen okay. that. But the way I would characterize the difference is that Tai Chi is working with physical forces, like like physics forces, like gravity and balance and the weight of your body. You're sort of using your muscles to maneuver your body in space around certain, you know, physics that are taking yeah. place and, and gaining control over your body in that, in, uh, like in the midst of those forces. Whereas Qigong is about biological forces, energy in the body and stirring up the physical energy in your body and moving it through and getting it flowing in a healthy way. Uh, so these aren't, these aren't really separable things. Like uh, you're doing both things in both practices, but the sort of discipline of Tai Chi is more like a martial art where like, mm-hmm. mo- like the, the control over your body moving through space is the thing that you're training. Whereas in Tai Chi, I mean, sorry, in Qigong, con- uh, control is not really the right word, but like, uh, proper and healthy flow of energy in your body is the well like what does that even mean though well what it means like how do you move your fingers you know like what is the force that is moving your that that when you say i'm gonna move my fingers and then your fingers move okay you know the energy in your body that causes that movement to happen is that is is what i mean okay how's that different well it's not like the it, it and it's it's not different it's a different dimension of movement it's like you're concentrating on the way that the that that your like awake alive energy in your body is flowing as opposed to concentrating on how like where your hand is in space like I, I want to say almost internal versus external is the difference, mm-hmm. but that's not a clean description. But like a Tai Chi movement of the hand might be concerned with like the weight of your hand in okay. space. And like the further away from your body it is, the more muscle tension there is in your arm 
holding it in place and you're working with those kind of forces. Whereas a Qigong movement of your hand would concentrate on the sort of flowing out of almost the like neural information of what to do with the hand and feeling that happen in real time and being sure that you're in touch and almost mindful of that sensation. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not something that you can really explain. It's, yeah, it's, no, I, I, that does sound like something I might just have to like do them both and kind of experiment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done Tai Chi once hmm. um, and I remember it being a lot harder than I thought it was going to uh -huh. be. Yeah. I'm like, isn't this what old people do? Like <laughs> I always see like, you know, the, in Asia, like the, old people in the park will be doing tai chi and I'm yeah like <laughs> yeah for sure because it's like because it's a form of exercise that's that's yeah. sort of a, a good way of of demonstrating what i mean by these physical forces like the movements are designed to create exactly the right sort of healthy resistance in your body so that you know it keeps your body healthy without being like super rigorous um qigong is more akin to a meditation practice like a moving meditation practice in terms of why you would do it or why you would learn it and why you would learn any particular sequence of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard that people say Tai Chi is a movement meditation or even yoga is a movement meditation. So why, why particularly uh, Qigong, is that what it's called? Yeah. Why are you drawn to that over Tai Chi and yoga or something like that? Well, it was recommended to me by a, Zen friend, not someone from our sangha, someone I know from somewhere else, uh, because and this is a particular form. It's not. It's there, there's qigong is a vast array of different things, as is mm -hmm. tai chi, as is yoga, but the particular form that I was that I was recommended was one for uh, based in really centered in the the same abdominal breathing that you do in zazen, and it's one for. Uh, kind of straightening out and and directing the flow of chi raised in that kind of breathing into motion into life so i was yeah. i was having a little bit of trouble at certain times kind of moving from zazen into reality i was coming out of zazen feeling very heavy and kind of overloaded uh and this was shortly after really starting to develop this kind of rinzai style breathing uh, to raise energy while sitting. Yeah. And again, when I mean, when I say energy, I'm talking about something that's very physical and real and obvious. I'm not talking about some sort of spiritual metaphysical abstract force that I'm imagining. I'm talking about sensations in okay, my body. Well, I, yeah. I was curious about that. Cause I've heard people, you know, the word chi is in qigong. Yeah. And I, I feel like when people explain chi to me, they're usually talking about like not a physical energy or not like not a scientific energy, like more of a metaphysical energy or something like that. Well, it depends what you um, mean by scientific. And like, if you believe in the scientific discipline of Chi that by which Chinese medicine will has been developed for a long time, the same one that brings like acupuncture, for example, into mm -hmm. sort of mainstream practice, then you are at least giving some credence to the, you know, experimental rigor of what works in Chinese medicine. But if you don't accept that, then you don't accept that. 
I don't know. I don't know that much about it, to be honest. Well, all I can say is that I it was an abstract idea to me until I tried this practice. And then it was suddenly obvious that there was a physical sensation that was involved and that it wasn't something that I was unfamiliar with. It was something that I live with all the time. I just had no discipline for working with it. And, and so in Zazen, I was raising this huge amount of it and I, it was overloading me and I wasn't really able to kind of go in back into day-to-day life smoothly. And so this, so he recommended this practice to me and, uh, one of the, one of the big reasons, and I, you know, this is a little more like philosophical about it than I care to be most of the time. But one of the things about this particular Qigong discipline that I think is cool and that feels related to my Zen practice is that it's a emptiness based practice. It's sort of working with the fact that life energy arises out of emptiness and recedes back into emptiness. So if it's, uh, so, so the, the, it's a very good counterpart to the kinds of sensory and perceptual experiences that happen in sitting practice in Zen. And so it was, it's a compliment. And so, I mean, that's, that's the explanation of why I do all of this, but the thing that I, and and, you know, I'm happy to talk more about that, but, but I, I also finished the sequence for the first time this week. Like I can do the entire, it's like a seven minute routine and I can, and, and I was working on it one step at a time for months and months and I finally mm-hmm. finished it. And so now it's this like seven minute almost dance that I do. Uh, and it has uh, an interesting position in my morning practice ritual that sensei has actually modified uh, in a way that's might be interesting to really? talk about. Um, yeah, I was doing it after sitting at first and uh, as a sort of, like I was saying, as a transition between like the sitting energy and the moving energy and using the moving energy to go back into my life. Uh, you know what I mean by that? Like back in, like into, into unpredictable situations. Um, but, but since I started to gradually pick up on the fact that it, that this Qigong practice was actually become, was be- becoming central enough to me that given the sort of crazy schedule like like timing challenges of my morning practice, which we've talked about a million times, it was a good idea for me to move the qigong to first thing and then sit after, so that I can make sure that the qigong happens without any interruption, and then the zazen happens as long as it happens, and then if the baby wakes up, the baby wakes up, and I don't have to skip qigong or like rush it or something. So I thought that was an interesting adjustment, and it was a it was a demonstration to me that whatever I'm saying to him about it is clearly something that this is something fundamental and important to me. Um, and, and the place I wanted to get to that I want to leave it to sort of open it up to you is that after I've done it, you know, three or four days in a row all the way through for the first time. And yesterday I got to that point that we have talked about it sort of work is over and I have to go back out of my office and into my house where my family's all crazy and I need some sort of transition practice to, to do and in the past, I might have sat zazen for ten or fifteen minutes, uh, even though I find it really hard as a transition out of work. Like it was so f- common for me to do that and then feel like I'm just thinking about work the whole time. And yesterday, for the first time, I did my qigong practice instead, and I, it was like I, it was like I completely, I like men in black mind wiped myself. And had no <laughs> thoughts of work and was just completely there and present when I came out. 
And I was still tired from a long day, but I, you know, yeah. it was a purely physical sensation. And so I'm starting to, the, the thing I, the thing I, and I'm happy to answer kind of whatever skeptical or, or genuinely no, curious questions you have about the practice. I'm not necessarily skeptical about it. I, uh, I actually just don't know that much about it. Um, and I think we, we've seen the benefits of a lot of these things in science or otherwise, mm. you know, mm-hmm. we know that yoga is good for the body. You know, that Tai Chi is good for the body. I have, don't know that much about Qigong. I'm sure it is as well. And, mm-hmm. um, if it can do something like transition you from work to to home, considering that you work from home, like that sounds really awesome. And yeah. being able to to make these transitions throughout your day, whether you're meditating or, you know, uh, going into the world of unexpected. I mean, it sounds like a useful tool. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's a nice way of think. It's nice to have something to think about as like my useful tool practice so that I don't have to burden Zazen with that, which, you know, we've talked about in many ways as being a sort of trap for, you know, a risk factor for, for getting going sideways in Zazen. Like now Zazen is just Zazen. And the thing that I can do when I quote unquote need to do something is this active thing that, you know, there's no question of doing or non-doing in this, you know, it's like, there's moves, there's steps, there's things that, that engage the, the will, the, you know, whatever the doer is, is doing this practice. There's kind of no question about it. And it does result in the same kind of empty space sensation where the like, you know, ego or, you know, the thinker is supposed to be like, when I get into this, it's really a pretty natural, just flowing state that happens. But the fact that it's so short that it's like this five, seven minute thing and that it makes such a big difference over that short of a time is really kind of changing my, my whole sense of my practice life. And sensei is supportive of it too, which is really interesting to me. And it's make it's what it's really doing. I think which might also be another angle to talk about if you don't want to talk about sort of just like the nuts and bolts of the practice is that it's expanding my sense of, you know, whatever Zen is way beyond the sort of formal boundaries of what Soto Zen religious practice is, because this is an intimately related thing, but it's not something that you learn from your Zen teacher unless you've got a really special old school or Chinese one. You know, right. I mean, I what what is Zen if not a tool for your life? Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, you can be dogmatic about it and be like, this is the only tool you should use. But that can't be true. And that can't be helpful to to say or to be that dogmatic about it, because, you know, whether it's something like Qigong or or other types of meditation or anything like that, I mean, I exercise like that's a tool Uh for a lot of things you could you could exercise after your practice or before your practice that could help you transition you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. um taking a bath maybe i don't know maybe that'll help you (laughs) sounds great limber up before the practice it's it's not you know excluding it from everything else i don't think it's like super helpful yeah conceptually there's something about this particular practice that really helps with that idea, which is this feeling that there's sort of this Chinese medicine body, this Taoist body 
that is this this biological basis for this practice but also for zen you know like this is this is a, maybe like a little bit of a scholarly or difficult to grasp idea but you could it, you could do worse for a, an explanation of how zen happened than to say that indian buddhism came over the mountains you know with its own yogic body system that it was based on and landed in china where they had this whole taoist body that already happened that already had its own medicine and its own movement practices and its own meditation practices and they heard about it and they were like yeah that sounds like a nice update we'll incorporate some of that into what we do and that's how zen became zen and so there is this taoist root to Zen and it has so much more, yeah. co- more I, like I've always thought so. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I mean, read, it's, I read the Tao Te Ching before mm-hmm. reading any, um, Buddhist texts. Yeah. Me too, actually. Cause my um, mom had her college copy of it at home. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, it, it's, it's mainly because the focus is on city, you know, it's mm-hmm. on meditation and that's, that's how you're going to, get to where you need to go in your in your practice and in your life is through that meditation you can't do it otherwise i think that sounds a lot like zen sure honestly but what i'm starting to learn is that there's so much more aspect there's so many more aspects of life that have sort of documented teachings and practices in that tradition than we go into in zen i mean there are zen texts about food and cooking and eating but there's no zen texts about like health, you know, like, like, the, like diet, you know, like, I don't, I can't think of like a Zen teaching on like what you should eat specifically. And that's all, that kind of thing is almost like outside the realm of what, uh, what formal Zen is concerned with. And that might be because for a thousand years of Zen's history, it was practiced in China where this was just sort of like the medical system, you know? And this kind of practice, this kind of movement practice might even be the sort of thing that like a, you know, the equivalent of a doctor would tell you to do. So like in our society, we have our own nutrition science and our own fitness science and our own medical science. And we, and we Zen practitioners go, go to the doctor too, or like get, you know, diet advice from people trained in Western medicine. Uh, but, but this is, this is the, the medicine system that was involved in the development of this practice that we do. And I'm not saying that it makes it better or makes it healthier for me to do, but it definitely feels like it's worth a try. And what's interesting is that it's familiar because of this practice. And I think that's surprising. And I think it's worth investigating if. Well, then even if you, you were saying about like the history of Zen and, and, and uh, Soto Zen specifically, you know, Dogen went to China to, to learn about Zen, I mean, there's probably a lot of connection there. I um, I would be surprised if if there wasn't. Yeah. So, what I'm interested in is why that is less of a big deal in American contemporary Zen, 
because it's obvious like that. This is the thing is like you read Dogen and it's basically all about China. Like, like every, every mm-hmm. story and every yeah. reference and every teacher he's talking about is, a, is someone from China from 500 years ago. And so like, it's not like it's hidden in the tradition. It's not like the Japanese Zen that you receive as an American these days isn't mostly about China, but the, the, the people seem mostly concerned with like their own lineage and their teacher and their teacher's teacher and maybe their teacher's teacher's teacher. And you're not back to China yet by a long shot in almost every case when you're thinking about who these people were and what they did and what they taught. And, you know, Matsuoka Roshi in his books, um, which were just his collected talks, talks about Japanese culture and Japanese health and fitness and Japanese martial arts and all that stuff all the time. And that's, you know, it's still, but it's still all related to this. It's still all kind of spiritually descended from this. And I, maybe it's just a language thing, but what I think I'm interested in and wondering about is like, maybe it's also about that sort of Eastern medicine, Western medicine, like a scientific divide, like Western people aren't really as ready to consider the possibility that this would work. Whereas meditation seems sort of neutral with respect to its health, its effect, its claimed effects on the body. And so you just do it. And then like Western science gradually realizes that it does something interesting to the body, but people yeah, are less I mean, willing to consider there, science. There's always about, a delay on, on researching stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, there's a thing. Does it work or not? I don't know. We haven't really researched it yet. Right. So it's in <laughs> yeah. this spot where it's like, well, since we haven't researched it, that means it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. It doesn't work until it's proven true. to that's work. It's not really how it works. It's just that that's how people, or at least people who believe in science, because there's a lot of people here that don't, <laughs> yeah. um, often think of things. If it's not proven yet, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of things that have not been proven scientifically that I think do work very well and there's scientifically proven things that get thrown out all the time but i I guess i guess there is a a chance that what you're doing is not i mean i don't think it with qigong or anything like that but Mm. i think you do have to evaluate like could this thing that hasn't been tested potentially do me harm sure and weigh your risks against that because there are plenty of people who do things that i'm like well that seems really dangerous like (laughs) And even if it did help to a certain degree, you're also risking things not helping. Like, well, there's certain supplementations. Some people take like a whole bunch of supplements. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think taking one or two is probably pretty safe. But the more you take, like the more your kidneys have to process that. Like, yeah. um, And it can be it can cause you more damage than than the, the benefits it's giving you. Sure. For example. Yeah. So I think that's where like a lot of people who are into Zen, I think like fall into the scientific camp where they're just like, I don't want to do things unless it's been scientifically proven. Mm -hmm. And we already know that that Zen does have great benefits on your mental health and uh, your well-being. So that's not really a hard thing to wrap their head around. Mm -hmm. I've used natural remedies for a few different things and Mm. sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work. So you are running the risk that it's either like a not going to work or B it could do damage if you're not careful. 
Right. Like this isn't going to do anything or this is a placebo is sort of the more, I would say the more common objection. I think that, I think that your other objection is also very interesting of like, uh, you know, you don't know, you don't, this is an unfamiliar system. Like you don't know what it does. Uh, and we should study that. And yeah, that's true. The, the, the thing that I, the thing that got me and, you know, I've, I've, we've talked about the risks of meditation. Like I, I'm very, take very seriously the risks of spiritual practice done in an uncontained way. I have, like I said, been learning these movements sort of one teeny tiny action at a time and doing it several times a day for a few minutes, uh, for months and months. Like I've been building it up very slowly. Uh, Mm -hmm. not necessarily, well, I guess it was sort of out of a caution about wanting to do it right. Like not, not learn it wrong, but also, you know, not really knowing what was going to happen. But the, the real development over the course of doing this practice was to realize that the, the effects of this are not mysterious at all. They're very obvious. And the, the thing I can compare it most closely to is of any other form of exercise, but that, but, but a certain aspect of it, you know, where it's not like my muscles are tired at the end of this, but you know, there's a feeling I feel like we often attribute to, you know, quote unquote endorphins, you know, like some sort of release of chemicals, dopamine or whatever, you know, like I think people make people think they're using science words when they say things like that. But what they're really saying is like, I do exercise and there's some sort of pleasurable release afterwards that makes me feel good. And it feels like a natural reward of my body for this activity that's healthy for me because science says so. And, you know, I don't dispute that that is some semblance of what's actually happening, but also the, the, the kind of energy that I'm feeling in this practice is so upfront and clear and not, and like I said, familiar, because I've been feeling it the entire time I've been alive. I just sort of didn't know what it was or have a, have a um, way of working with it that, that I, I kind of feel like a lot of the, the pleasurable, powerful sensations people get from exercises. Also this chi bodily energy sensation and, you know, waking your body up in this way that is both physical and spiritual by using it and be, and, and being healthy and strong. And that's, that's really the only kind of principle at play in this, in this, in this system is, is, you know, this is, this is what the body, how the body moves and feels and flows when it's healthy. And that is the only kind of thing that's arising for me in this practice. It's a very intense and profound version of it, but I'm not having any kind of foreign or mysterious sort of spiritual effects kind of the way I have at certain times in my meditation practice where it's like, Whoa, what the hell is going on? You know, like this is kind of the opposite of that. It's like, finally I'm moving in a natural way. Like I'm releasing muscle tension that I'm holding all the time and I'm, I'm moving, uh, unconsciously, you know, just, uh, uh, the way that I, that I naturally want to. Mm. So is that, so you learn like certain motions, mm-hmm. um, and then you memorize that and then that way you don't have to like think about them when you're, when you're doing it or, um, yeah, there's a little bit of remembering what happens next, but they flow into each other. So it's, it's this, there's a, there's a, you know, it's Chinese medicine. So there's a kind of nature, cycle involved in it. There's a spring, summer, fall, winter 
sequence and they go into each other and the movements in each season, quote unquote, have sort of energetic qualities of what's happening in nature at that time of year. So the spring ones are about opening up and waking up. And then the summer ones are about being big and alive and, and strong and moving a lot. And then the fall ones are about sort of gathering it back together and sort of um, preparing for the end. And then winter is about drawing it inward and, and, and becoming slow and quiet. And that's where it ends. So then really, I think of that mostly as just like a reminder almost there's like, there's, there, there are, there are, uh, memorable symbolic aspects to it that make it so that it's not, you know, an effort to remember what to do. And after a while, it's like learning a dance. It's just like, you know, what step comes next. And yeah, there's really very little thinking involved at this point for me, except at the end that I've just started doing, you know, in the last few days, but I know how the beginning feels. And I know that in a month or two, the whole sequence will just feel like one unified action. Do you have any goals with the Qigong practice? Do you, do you want to experiment with that? Like integrate it more into your Zen practice? Like, would you do like, instead of walking meditation, like Qigong, like in between two sitting periods or something? Mm. Mm -hmm. That's a cool idea. I'm doing both now. Um, I'm doing Qigong before and I'm doing Kinhin after. Uh, but, but that's the answer is definitely yes. But I, here, here's how I think I would answer that question about what my goals for it are in terms of Zen practice. I think it's the thing that's successfully exploding the idea that Zazen is the, the, the time when I'm doing Zen practice, you know, like I don't believe that intellectually, but you know, we always say it in a maybe almost always purely intellectual way. Like you should do Zen, like Zen practices all the time. Sitting is not when Zen practice is happening. Sitting is just the expression of Zen practice, which is happening all the time. And you should, you're doing Zen when you're sitting, standing, walking, lying down. You're doing Zen when you're washing the dishes. You're doing Zen when you're changing the diapers, you know, and, and we say all of those things and I believe all of those things. And I notice it from time to time that it's happening, but now there really is an action that I'm taking that that feels like not just that it's a Zen practice while I'm doing it, but that it changes my whole body in such a way that I'm care physically carrying this Zen, uh, attitude all the time in my body and that it's changing the way that my body feels and works in order to support that. So, uh, I'm giving myself permission to think of this moving thing as my practice and Zazen as just one aspect of that rather than fixating on Zazen as sort of the essential thing without which there is no Zen. And does that, does that make you feel guilty at all to, to think about it that way? (laughs) No, no, it makes me feel awesome. I think I felt guilty before for taking Zen too seriously when it tells you all the time not to do that. (laughs) Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate 
at storder.org. Gashaw.